0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? Amen. I'm thankful that God has brought us here today in my home in McKinney, Texas. And I'm thankful for everybody coming from SoundCloud and all over the world, wherever you're listening to us from. I want to welcome you into our home. Uh, God bless you, and I, uh, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, it's a privilege and honor for me to stand up and be able to talk to you about the Word of the Lord today as I was talking to a couple guys the other night at a store and, and, uh, we were doing something and, and I was trying to do something in my hand. I had a little something I was working on in my hand. I was, I was talking to these guys. It was a, it was a little work that I was trying to do at the time. Mm. And I was talking to the guys about the Lord and I couldn't remember how to do this thing that I had done so many times. And I looked at him and I said, you know, do you guys have a passion? And uh, they they were like, well, no, no, not really, not really. I said, well, my passion is God, and when I get start talking about Him, I just kind of forget everything else. And so, that's kind of how I am with the Lord. You know, God is my passion, and I I like to talk about God. And once I start talking about God, I just kind of forget everything else. So, it's a privilege and honor for me to be able to share the word of the Lord with you today, and be able to share what the Lord has given me this week. So, if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, I can't wait to jump into it today and our chapter and our study today and. What God has shown me this week. So, if uh, you guys want to pray with me, I'd appreciate it. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for your great work in people's lives, Lord. Thank you so much for your love for people and your patience with me and your patience with all mankind, Lord God, that even after somebody, uh, you know, like me rejected you for 25 years of my life. Because I knew you were calling. I knew you I, I knew you were calling through my cousin that had kept coming over and trying to tell me about you, Lord. I I knew that, you know, uh, people, I, you were there, I, but I just ignored it. And I ignored you. But thank you that you had 25 years of patience with me, Lord, until I surrendered to you. And thank you even after that that you've had patience with me. Even as I'm not perfect now, Lord, I, I strive to be every day and but I still find it where I can't be perfect. But I still thank you that you're patient with me today and that you're patient with every person that's listening and every person all over the fa- face of the planet, Lord God. Thank you that you're patient with us all. I pray that you continue to work in our lives here as a family and, and I pray that you continue to work in the lives of those that belong to Gospel Saving Church and those that are in your body all over the world. And I pray you continue to be patient with us, Lord God, and teach us every day as we seek your face i pray that lord this message would touch hearts and minds lord that your holy spirit would move on us and change us lord god and help us to become the people that you want us to be we love you and we praise you dear god and we ask all these things in jesus mighty name amen so if you guys want to open up your bibles to matthew chapter 24 We're going to be in verses 3 through 14 today. I'm going to read them in a a moment here, in a minute or two, I should say, after my thoughts from last week's message. The things of this world are passing away day by day. As I sat on Monday afternoon in my truck, and as I pondered the things that I would speak about for this overview, that's when I work on my overview generally, is on Mondays, the Lord put this quote on my mind from a very famous man who uh, End of the Spear is a movie that they made about him, and his name is Jim Elliot. He was a missionary killed by tribesmen in Ecuador, January 8, 1956, and he said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Read it again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that... Which he cannot lose. How does this apply to our message last week? The things of this world are passing away day by day. Last week, I talked about how our focus as Christians shouldn't be on living for the stuff of this world because it's passing away day by day and it won't last forever. Remember, our, our, our thrust last week was, why, you know, if we live and we trust in this stuff and we lust after it, it it's, it's all going to go away anyway. It's all going to be destroyed, so, so don't. Well, one thing I didn't mention last week, I didn't talk about the dangers of living this type of lifestyle. The danger of living this type of lifestyle, of being focused on the earthly stuff and not focused on God, is this. If we live too long focused on and living for and lusting for the things of this world, we can completely lose our focus on God and Christ Jesus and willfully stop living our lives for them. Jesus gives us this same warning. He tells us about the same danger in Matthew 6.24. No one can serve two masters. See, if you're trying to serve two, if you're focused on the world and you're focused on the Lord, no one can serve two masters, he says. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. He goes on to finish and he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You will love one and turning out to hate the other, or you will be totally committed to one, or or you won't. Okay, Eventually a line will be drawn, as Jesus just said, for us. And we, if we try to live this type of lifestyle, will make a choice either to love God more or love the things and the money and the stuff of this world more, the stuff that's passing away day by day. And as far as I've seen in my 40 years of life, up to this point, the stuff of this world and the lusts of it are mighty attractive to our flesh. So it seems to me that if we live too long, Focusing on the stuff of this world and not focusing on God enough that the stuff of the world will will draw us away from God and God won't win because we'll be more, you know, our flesh loves those things of this world that we think we can own and have right now. Jesus said in Matthew 6.26, because if we start to do that, he says, "What what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So I want to read this quote one more time and I want to show us how it fits in to last week's message perfectly. Jim Elliot said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Listen, here's how it fits in. By living a lifestyle of being focused on the stuff and the man-made treasures of this world that we cannot keep, we can easily start serving that stuff permanently like Jesus said, and eventually lose our own souls in hell because we start to love the stuff more than God. But if we have a lifestyle of being focused on God and Christ and their kingdom, that's called repentance, we then give up living for the junk of this temporary place that we cannot keep, and we put our focus on God, live for Him, and gain the eternal life that He has for us in paradise forever do you see what jim was saying his quote was absolutely god-breathed and it was true into eternity no one is a fool who gives up or loses what he cannot keep or No one's a fool who gives up the temporary treasures of this life and really our own lives, our own control of our own lives that we cannot keep forever to gain that eternal life with God in paradise that we can have eternally, that we can never lose once we're there. So Christians, or anyone out there that's listening to this little overview, this little intro... Give up those passions that you have for the junk of this world and the control that you have over your own life, which is temporary. And repent and turn to God for the eternal life which you can have, which is forever, and it's something you can never lose. One thing to think of as you maybe are contemplating this, when you think of God's love for you and how extravagant it really is. I would easily say, this is something God's been putting on my heart recently, and this is a true statement. I would say of everybody on the planet, I don't care how much you love yourself, I would say, God loves you more than you even love yourself. And when you put it that way, and you think, well, God loves me more than I love myself, why not stop living and being focused on all the stuff of this world that you can't take with you forever, and cling to Him, and focus on Him. If somebody can love you more than you love yourself, and you know how you are, and you know the kind of sinner you are, then isn't that one worth giving all honor in all your life, and being focused on Him totally, and not being consumed with the things of this world? I think it is. I think it's a no-brainer move, if you ask me. All right. Praise God. Anyway, let's get on to this week's message, shall we? Our title of this week's message, The Signs of the Ends of the Age, Part 1. We're going to have another part, maybe even three parts. The Signs of the End of the Age, Part 1. Let's read our Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 14, and see what Jesus has to say to us here. Verse 3 of Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to start reading. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Notice he said they're the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, kill you, and and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But But he who endures to the end shall be saved." And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Wow. So last week, we read of how Christ came out of the temple. Remember, right outside the temple he stood. And as he stood outside the temple, the disciples came to him. And they showed him all the what they thought was this beautiful temple that, you know, look at this beautiful temple, Jesus, how great it looks. And and Jesus says, hey, guys, paraphrasing, of course, stop focusing on all this stuff, because guess why? It's all going to be destroyed. It's not going to be here forever. Well, verse 3 just told us that Jesus is relocated from outside the temple and journeyed now to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples come again to him, and they ask him some questions. They ask him three questions questions now again i mentioned last week jesus it was hard for him to get away and be alone right here he gets out in front of the temple the disciples come to him then he relocates from there he goes to the mount of olives what happens the disciples come to him again but in their coming to him and in his inconvenience and in their kind of pestering we actually get some awesome awesome revelation that jesus gives these guys come to him and they ask him three questions what are they First, they ask, tell us, when will these things be? What are these things? Well, he had just been referencing how the temple was going to be destroyed. One stone will not be sitting on another stone. That's what he just said. So tell us when these things, you know, the things that you just said will be. That'd be concerning the temple. Then they say, number two, question two, what will be the sign of your coming? They were referencing, even though they didn't know it, the second coming of Christ that the Scripture, that the Bible speaks about. The Bible speaks about Christ coming first time in the flesh to die for the sins of the world and to bring light to the world and to bring in salvation and people's knowledge, salvation to the world. And then the Bible talks about a second coming of Christ where Christ will come back and he'll reign on earth and he's going to come a second time. So what will be the sign of your coming? Number two. Number three... And what will be the sign of the end of the age? And of course, what are they asking? What will be the sign, or or Jesus is going to give us signs, of the end of the world? How are we going to know that the end of the world's coming? How are we going to know all these things? What are some signs? Can you tell us? Well, I don't know about you, but those to me are good questions for then, and they're good questions for now. So let's look at Jesus' answers in depth, shall we? Verses 4 and 5. His answer, he starts with 4, and he answers them and says to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. Well, did you know what Jesus just did there? Did you see it? If you didn't catch it, here it is. Notice Jesus didn't start giving them the signs that they asked for. He didn't actually give them the answer that they were wanting. Why? Instead, he gives them a warning. Take heed that no one deceives you because many are going to come in my name and deceive many. He wanted to give them some warnings of the evil and dangers that were coming that they'd have to deal with first. You see, in our lives, we even have to be careful of this. We, we cannot put the cart before the horse, can we? If, we? if we have to have the horse leading the cart, if we put the cart before the horse, it just doesn't work. It, it won't pull. Well, the disciples wanted to know, as we always want to know, I want to know how it's going to end. You know, kind of when you watch a movie. Oh, I wonder how the movie's going to end. But instead, what Jesus just said here is, hey, guys, I know that there's going to be an end, but guess what? There's a whole life that has to be lived. So if this is the beginning and this is the end, from here to here, there's all this life you have to live in between the beginning and the end. So don't be so focused on the end when you've got all these dangers to worry about in the middle. And we all do that. We all want to know, how's it going to end? Oh, how's it going to end? But if we're too focused on how it's going to end, we lose sight. And you know what? We may not even make it to the end because we're so focused on the things or we're so focused on the end. We don't have any focus on the stuff that getting to the end. So these guys want to know what's going to be the end. He gives them these dangers. Let's look at these dangers. He talks about in depth, in depth, because they are as real today as back as when he gave them almost two thousand years ago. His main warning, be warned. Many are going to come in my name and they're going to deceive many. This blew my mind. I spent so many hours of research this week on this one sermon, more research than I usually do because there's so many things that were so, uh, there's this, this is such a, such a rich set of verses. Verse four and five, He says that they need to be careful that no one deceives them because many will come in his name and say that they are him. Well, wow. Let me tell you, Jesus wasn't kidding. Very many people, in fact, have come and claimed to be him and literally deceived multitudes upon multitudes of people. Look at these details of the overview of this section of research that I did. And I, and I, and I hope it blows your mind like it did mine because I had no idea. Look at this overview. To start off with, there are currently alive today on this partial list that I found, currently 13 people right now that are still alive, still have followers, that are claiming to be Jesus Christ right now. Thirteen, right now, that are still alive, 2015, currently still alive. I want, I'm gonna, I'm, I want you to look. I, I, I found this partial list starting from the mid 17 or around the 1700s up till today, and I'm gonna start with the most recent people. Now, these aren't the people that are still alive today. These are just the people from the 1700s that you'd probably recognize the most, that their names would go, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of him. And so remember, this is a partial list. And in the partial list that I found from the 1700s, from all the way from 1700 to today, and you see that it's increased because 13 out of 35 people since the 1700s have claimed or their followers have claimed them to be the Christ or the Son of of God, 13 currently and 35 or 36 since the 1700s on a partial list have come, have stood up, proclaimed themselves to be the Christ or the Son of God, and then of course died, except for there's 13 of them that are still alive today at least. I'm sure there have been many many more. I just didn't have the time to dig. So I'm just going to show you here uh, the the top ones that I found that uh, that are still that the uh, that the ones that you you kind of hear and go, "Yeah, I know that guy. I have heard of that guy." First on our top of our list, he's still alive today. His name is Sergei Tarup or to- Torup. He's from Russia. A Russian who claims to be reborn of Vesarian or as Visarian, excuse me. Jesus Christ returned. So this guy is claiming to be Jesus. The, the return, the second coming of the Christ. What we're still waiting for, the real Jesus to, co- to come. Which makes him not God, but the word of God. He founded the Church of the Last Testament and a spiritual community in southern Siberia in 1990. So this guy's been going on for, what, 25 years, claims to be the returned Christ, the second coming of Christ, and he's in Russia right now. And I heard about him a long time ago, and actually he's still going at it right now. He's got a whole community, people that believe he's the returned Christ, and he's still alive in Siberia, Russia to this day. Wow. Next we have Kim Il-sung and his son, Kim Jong-un, who are both deceased. And they started, or Kim Il-sung started in North Korea, what they call the Juche ideology. Today, Juche, ju, excuse me, it almost sounds like juice, but it's not. It's Juche is no longer an ideology, but the full-fledged religion of North Korea that worships, listen to this, Kim Il-sung, the deceased father, who was the original evil dictator as God... And his son, who's also deceased, Kim, Kim, Kim Jong-un, is now the president or the evil dictator, the grandson. But Kim Il-sung, they worship him now as the son of God. Well, that's Jesus Christ to me in the Bible, but they worship him as the son of God. And they, of course, they wouldn't do that unless he would have told them that that's who he was. So he's done, gone to be dead and he's burning in hell now, but nevertheless, he claimed to be jesus christ or the son of god next we have david koresh he lived from 1959 to 1993 he was born vernon wayne howell he was the leader of a branch davidian religious sect in waco texas and though he never directly claimed to be jesus himself he proclaimed that he was the final prophet and in 1983 he claimed himself to be the son of god and the lamb Wow. Jim Jones, 1931 to 1978. He organized a mass murder-suicide in Jonestown, Guyana on November 18, 1978. He shot himself after the murders were all done. And he claimed to be the reincarnation of Jesus. Bahulala, 1817 to 1892. He started the Baha'i faith he claimed to be the prophesied fulfillment and prophesied one of all major religions so not only did he claim to be the christ but he also claimed to be like buddha he claimed to be the prophesied one of all religions all over the world but nevertheless this studies on those that would come and claim to be christ and deceive many and that's just some There were 35 or 36 on a partial list and that was just some of the ones that you might have heard of because they're kind of, you know, that's in our world today, the Baha'i faith. It's not major, 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 but it is a faith. But nevertheless, David Koresh and Jim Jones and, uh, wow, Kim Il-sung and the founders of North Korea. Mind-boggling. They came and they claimed themselves to be the Son of God. Jesus christ himself or as the guy in, in the russia the 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 second coming of christ i'm christ returned wow and almost each one had many people that they deceived into thinking that they were the real christ because they all had followings and many of them have had had and have large followings at that and they prophesied themselves they said of themselves i am the christ and They've deceived many. As Jesus' warning that he gave, back almost 2,000 years ago, these guys came, all these people came, said themselves they were the Christ, Son of God, so on and so forth, reincarnated Christ, whatever, and they deceived many, just as Jesus said. And he wasn't kidding. Now, that warning down, let's look at verses 6-8, through and see whatever else he has to say to us. He says, he goes on to say, so now that he's got the, hey, be warned, in your life until you get to the end, there's going to be all these people that have come, that are going to come and pretend themselves to be me, and they're going to take many people away from God, which is what we see. He goes on to say, verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Jesus finishes up telling them about the terrible dangers that are ahead of them. As all these false people will come in his name. And he gets into now, he finally gets into starting to answer their questions. Let's look at each one of these verses in depth and see exactly what he has to tell us he tells us first in verse six that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars but you know what you're going to hear these things but don't be troubled now if you're thinking like i'm thinking well wait a minute jesus as i was kind of praying this week and thinking about the god wait a minute you said the the, the beginning of the end was going to be the wars and rumors of wars well if you're thinking like I'm thinking, there's been wars and rumors of wars since before Jesus was ever born. So what, is, what does he mean? Wars and rumors of wars, but you know, don't worry or, or don't be troubled because the end is not yet. I mean, there's been wars since, I mean, for crying out loud, uh, you know, uh, Adam and Eve's son were at war. And, you know, the one killed the other one. So what does he mean, wars and, and, the, and, and the rumors of wars being the beginning of the end? What, what, what I got from this with the Lord was this. I think it's because of what war does to people. I mean, think about what happens in wars. He gets to it in verse 7 a little bit. I mean, murder, evil. You know what I mean? Look at Hitler, you know, just mass genocide, starvation, plagues, you name it. So many evil things happen because of war. I mean, families lose their loved ones. You know, bombs going off, people getting crippled. When you think of war, it's just, wow, how sad is war? I mean, that's what happens in war. And and so because of what happens in war, war scares people. War makes people frightened. When you think war is coming, you think, oh, no, it's war. Oh, no, war. Because immediately you start thinking, wow, all the things that happen in war, that's bad. That's terrible. Oh, no. And when people start hearing of wars, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this or, you know, kind of, you know, thought this. Oh, no, war, the end, it's near. Right? I mean, you've heard that, right? I mean, you see that in movies. Oh, it's war, the end is near. So, there's flat out, no two ways about it, war scares people People think the end is near when they think of war. But then as addressing this fear, because Jesus knows, hey, you're going to be afraid when war comes. He tells us, hey, be assured, the end is not yet because of wars and rumors of wars. Hey, the end is not yet, guys. Don't don't worry. You're going to hear about all these things happening, these wars. But don't be afraid. It's not the end. Verse 7, he gives us the details and the unfortunate results of war and rumors of wars. Uh, verse 7, he says, um, for nation will rise against nation. Well, that's how war happens. Kingdoms against kingdoms. Well, that's how you have war. You don't have war unless you have a nation fighting another nation or or uh, a piece of a nation fighting their nation, you know, because there's war within a country. And you have kingdoms against kingdoms. You have this types of war. Uh, the next thing that happens in war is you have famines. People starve in war. I think of the... You know, um, America, when we had our, you know, our war within the country borders, you know, just the war that we had amongst people, the north and the south, okay? There were pestilences. People got sick. People starved. People were starving to death. People get put in concentration camps. People get put in, in camps where, you know, they're prisoners of war. And then what happens in those camps is they starve to death and diseases. So Jesus gives us here, he gives us the the unfortunate results of war the sad part of war which is all sad there's nothing good about war death and pestilence disease famine people starving to death starving to death nothing's good about war but next he says something weird he says and earthquakes in various places there in verse 7 the word for earthquake in the Greek also means like major storms of the air. Big tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis would all, would all kind of, uh, you, know, go, you know, roll into this. Like volcanoes erupting. That's just like terrible natural disasters. And you know what? Again, there's those then. People are apt to think that way. I mean, uh, there's been lots of these since Jesus left. And since he resurrected, and there's still lots of them going on now, and there were lots of them before he came. But he just said, hey, be careful. For all these things, he says in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrow. That's how he finishes up. He, He tells us, hey, speaking about all the things that we just heard, all these are just the beginning of the sorrows. So don't worry. The end is not yet. And, hey, it's the beginning of sorrows. So, Recapping a little bit, because there's a major point that God wants me to make here. He tells us in verse 6 that the end is not yet. And in verse 8 that all those terrible natural disasters, as well as the terrible side effects of war, are just the beginning of sorrows. Why did he make a point to tell us the end's not yet in the beginning, and it's, and, and it's just the beginning of sorrows, speaking about those different topics? Well, The end of the world is considered in the Bible as the great and terrible day of the Lord, Joel 2 and Malachi 4. And this title, along with the description of this great and terrible day of the Lord in the Bible, sounds very dismal and sounds very scary. And there's a good reason for that. There's a good reason why it sounds dismal, the great and terrible day of the Lord. And if you were to go to the Bible and read and do a case study on the great and terrible day of the Lord, it's it's very, very scary because it is scary. That's how it, it sounds scary because it is scary. If you go to the places in the Bible that speak about this great and dreadful day of the Lord and read about them, your boots just might shake off because of what God is bringing upon the earth in the end. It's pretty scary stuff. A lot of bad things are going to happen. God's going to judge sin in this world and he's going to bring a lot of things to an end and destroy a lot of the earth and the great and terrible day of the Lord is a great and terrible day of the Lord. But why did Jesus say here referencing to these things, you know, hurricanes and earthquakes and all these things and the and the things of war and rumors of war. Why did he say, hey, the end's not yet and, and it, you know what, it's just the beginning of sorrows. Well, I believe Jesus told them that then and us now these signs of the end of the world that they were not quite the end and just the beginning because it sure would be easy to hear of all these things happening and it's sure easy to see all these things happening and just think that this must be the terrible judgment that God is bringing upon the earth. In fact... It's so easy to think that way that if you go ahead and you were to Google these signs on the internet, you know, on the web, you know, all earthquakes in various places, you will not believe what you come up with. People have just... There's all kinds of websites that are crazy calling because these things are all happening. This is the end. Oh, the end is near. Whoa, this is, oh, no. Hey, watch out, guys. The end is here. Whoa, earthquakes. And, oh, I, I used to have a friend that talked about all the earthquakes and how they were increasing and how all the magnitude of them is getting worse. Oh, it's, it's getting closer to the end. Well, Jesus just said that even though you hear of all these things, see all these things, hear of these rumors of war, see all the effects of war, see all these natural disasters, He just said that all these signs, He puts them at the beginning of the end. Hey! Verse 8. All these things are the beginning of sorrows, or, translation, beginning of the end the end is not yet guys just know when you see all these things happening and of course as they frequent more that's the beginning of the end so we have to be careful that we just don't start seeing all these things and think oh the end it's tomorrow because oh no you know all these terrible things happening, and be these these naysayers because people have been seeing these things since Christ left. And there's been ministries, well-meaning ministries, that have, oh, the end is near. And so many people have prophesied of the end of the world. Oh, it's in this year. Oh, it's coming. It's so soon. Because look at all these look at all these natural disasters. Look at all these terrible things that are happening. Oh, Jesus said that this is going to be a sign of the end of the days. No, he didn't say it would be a sign of the end. He said it would be a sign of the beginning of the end. Now, saying all that, Do I think the end of the world is near? And do I think that the end of the world could be, could be in my lifetime? Yes. But I don't feel that it's my life's calling from God to focus only on this aspect and go crazy with it like some people have in our world today. Jesus says in his word that we should be faithful doing what God told us to do until the end. So that is what I focus on doing. I focus on being faithful to God until the end. Being faithful. I don't focus on, whoa, look at all these signs the end. Look at the end zero. Oh, yeah. And whether or not, the way I feel, whether or not the end of the world is in my lifetime or not, That is not my recommendation to you to do either. Oh no, the end, oh, it's coming any minute. Oh, let's go on a mountain and let's go. I don't recommend you do that either. I recommend that you be faithful and just see the times, signs of the times. See all these wars and rumors of war. See all the way the earthquakes are increasing if that's true, and all the natural disasters are increasing, and believe you know what? We're in the end times for sure. Because Jesus said that would be the beginning of the end. But don't put all your focus on the end. Because again, just like I said about Jesus' warning at first there in verses 4 and 5, the disciples wanted to know, well, when is the end? Oh, Lord, in verse 3. And he says, hey, be careful first. You got to get there. So you could be deceived out of it and never make it, guys, because many is going to come in my name and they're going to claim to be me and you may not even make it. You may fall away from me because somebody may deceive you. So we need to just be careful not to be the naysayers, not to be, oh, the end is tomorrow, and be focused on staying faithful to God and not focusing on the end because that's kind of what Jesus did with his disciples right here. All right, so let's move on and see what other signs Jesus has to give us. He has some dangers for his disciples to be aware of next in verse 9. Let's read it. He says to them, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. What did he just say? Your faith in me, my faithful twelve disciples, will cost you your lives they're gonna deliver you up and they're gonna kill you and this was historically the fate of 10 of the 12 disciples we know that judas murdered him his own self so we can't count him because he was the traitor we know john historically they tried to kill him but they couldn't do it god had other plans for him he saved his life and he lived to well, a hundred, somewhere in the 100 A.D., and he wrote the book of Revelation about 96 A.D. But for 10 out of the 12 disciples that Jesus spoke this message to, your faith in me will cost you your life. This was their fate. They all died brutal, gruesome deaths. Because of their faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus reminds the disciples here of what he said in Matthew ten sixteen through 22. He says, Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpent, serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, and as a testimony of them to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver a brother to death, and father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. He just Jesus repeated himself a lot, because guess why? We as people, we need people to repeat things to us. Because I know for me, that if I'm told something once... Uh, you know, I may hear it, but it may not stick. But the more I hear something, the more I'm like, wow, yeah, now that's a reality. Okay, yeah, I get it now. So Jesus repeated himself a lot just to make sure that they got it. Now, with that said about the disciples, they thought it was worth it all the way to die for Jesus. And I do too. But now, special note, Although Jesus is speaking specifically here in verse 9 to his disciples, hey, this is going to happen to you guys, this does not mean that Jesus didn't have this warning for all Christians. There's a ministry right now, and you can look it up online. It's Voice of the Martyrs, and I would encourage you to, if you're a Christian, to look it up, Voice of the Martyrs, or vom.org, or vom.com, one or the other. And what they are is they're a voice of the persecuted Christians in our world today. Because, yes, that's right. This warning that although Jesus was speaking to his disciples here about, Christians have been suffering, being betrayed, being killed, being murdered, being decapitated, you name it, since Jesus left. It started with his disciples, but then it's carried on all the way to today. You go to other countries, you go to Pakistan, and you stand up for Jesus Christ, it, Muslims will kill you. Muslims will kill you. Christians are still today facing this this thing that Jesus told his disciples here in verse 9, Christians are still facing that today. It's a sad fact that people have to do this to God's children, but nevertheless, Jesus warns us here that it's going to happen to them, and it's been happening, so it's a warning to us still today that it can still happen today. But you know what? The disciples counted Christ worth it to suffer and die for him, So me, I do as well too. I pray every Christian out there that's listening to this message, if they're ever faced with that time and if that ever happens to them, that they would be faithful to God and allow that to happen to them as well too. And they would count Jesus worthy of doing that as well too. Next, here in verses ten through twelve, he gives us the sad reality of how the world will look as as a sign of the end of the world. Look at verses ten and twelve, and then many will be offended, many will betray one another, and will hate one another. When I read this sign or these three signs, I start to think. More than the wars and the famines and the, the the murders and all that I think when I read these that the end is really near. Why do I think that? Look at what he says here many will be offended. I was just talking to my wife about this just the other day. you cannot hardly say anything to someone about anything if it's something you're trying to bring to their attention or you know at a job or even a friend of yours without them getting offended. People in other countries discuss religion as that's what they like to do, discuss religion. God forbid you discuss religion in America. Oh, and people ostracize you. People get offended. Well, and there is, no, there is no open debate if you're of one religion and they're of another. You can't just have a nice conversation. People get offended with you just because you speak about religion. I mean, just people get offended over hardly nothing. He goes on to say, they'll betray one another. I mean, people, I, I talk to people, it's hard to find a good friend. Why? People betray you all the time. I mean, it's it's just all over the place, and then especially the last one. And we'll hate one another. Look at our world today. Hatred is thriving. Hatred is everywhere. People in the world hate one another just because. I mean and this has gone back from racism in America, but you know, black people hate white people, white people hate black people. Hatred is just a plague over our whole world. It's a terrible thing. And when I look at this sign especially, I think, wow, the end must not be very far. Don't know how far, of course, but It must not be very far. He goes on to say in verse 11, with some more signs of the times of the end. He says in verse 11, Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Well, here's another part where Jesus was not kidding. There have been so many false prophets that have arisen since Jesus left. It's mind-blowing. If I were to try to tell you about all the false prophets that have come since Jesus left, I wouldn't have time maybe in a month. If we did, this is a life study looking at the false prophets that Jesus said would come. Mind you, keep in mind here, we're not just talking about false prophets in a Christian sense. Jesus just said false prophets would come. Meaning, this is false prophecy, false prophets all over the world. Look at some of these false prophets that have come and just deceived many, and we'll look at how many at the end. But we've got first the first false prophet in our that we know about very popular is Muhammad. He came from, you know, he came and he started Islam. And his false prophets, prophecies, they mount high. And he claimed that Jesus wasn't a prophet, or Jesus, I'm sorry, excuse it, excuse me, wasn't God's son, but that he was only a prophet. Okay. And he has many false prophecies that he gave. He's our first false prophet. And of course, him coming 600 years after Christ died, claimed that, oh, Jesus was never, he never claimed to be the son of God. He was only a prophet. That's number one. And we'll talk about how many of these they've deceived at the end. Number two, the founder of the Jehovah Witness faith, C.T. Russell, Charles Taz Russell, his he was a false prophet all the way. He, he false prophesied of the return of Jesus Christ in 1874. The invisible return of Jesus Christ, by the way, in 1874. And he gave many false prophecies of the return of Christ and even set dates. And guess what? It's 2015 and Jesus still hasn't come back. His lawyer, R.F. Rutherford, the one that followed him, did the same thing. He seized control of the Jehovah Witness organization, and he was a false prophet right after them. Joseph Smith, founder of Mormonism in the 1800s, he was a false prophet. He, re- he said the return of Christ would be in 56 years from 1835. Wow! It's 2015, he's still not here! He said that a temple would be built in Missouri in 1832 in his generation, and that never happened. He said the government of the USA would fall within a few years of 1843, and the government of America is still standing in 2015. Look at that. Another false prophet, Mary Baker Eddy, founder of Christian Science. Mary was a sickly woman who sought a cure for her illness. She came upon a man named Quimby who taught her the power of healing science of the Bible. Mary said many times that the Bible was her final authority, yet she completely speaks against the Bible. Her religion of Christian science is a complete anti-Christ religion, and one of her main teachings proves this. Listen to this. Her premise was that man is actually perfect and able to obtain the same divine mind that Jesus attained. Sickness can be eradicated once a person sees the pure thoughts will dispel the illusion of disease. Disease is just an illusion. All you have to do is think good thoughts and the diseases will go away. Isn't that something? Well, let's do it. I'm ready. But unfortunately, that's not true. She claimed that her church, of course, was the one true church and members are encouraged to affirm this. Antichrist and anti-God saying, God is good and therefore good is God. Get it? So that means anything and everything good is God. A nice warm hug from your son. Oh, that's God. A nice summer breeze. Oh, that's nice and good. Oh, that's God. Oh, look at how beautiful the planets and the stars and the moons are. Oh, that's God. See how anti-God she was? And yet, the false prophet of Christian science? You would think you hear the word Christian science. Well, that's got to be a Christian religion. False prophet. False prophet. Buddhism, Siddhartha, deceived, and all these people, when you put them together, there are a lot more, so many, as I said, it'd be a life study. So many people that these false prophets deceived. Islam today alone, from Muhammad's false prophet, and his false prophecies, and his fake, that uh, Islam's got 1.57 billion deceived right now on the face of the planet. Which, which puts us at altogether billions since Christ left. And Jesus said many false prophets would rise up and deceive many as a sign of the end of the world. And that's exactly what we've seen today right now. And for a long time since he's left, we see false prophets, lots of them, have come and deceived billions of people that have lived on the face of the planet. Look at verse 12 for our last sign of the times here. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The word for lawlessness is defined in Strong's as the condition of without law, because of ignorance of it, because of violating it, contempt and violation of the law, iniquity and wickedness. And this would be contempt and violation of not only God's law, by the way, but also the laws of the land. Well, did you hear those definitions that I just gave? And does that not sound like the world we live in in 2015? Sin or the contempt of God's law and the laws of the land have completely run wild in our societies and in our world today. Sin today is more accepted than any other time in the history of the world. Homosexuality, abortion, adultery, pornography, fornication, prostitution, drunkenness, murder, evil speaking, the worship of money, people hating one another, all run completely crazy in our world today. And the kicker is, if you stand against any of these, And he said, oh, abortion's wrong. Or especially the big one. Oh, adultery's wrong. Or oh, fornication. People, that's not wrong. I, I, I can do what I want. And, and, and homosexuality, that's a big one. You stand against these things, man. You are ostracized. They are, people are getting sued now for standing up for their Christian faith and saying, oh, I don't believe in homosexuality. Or I don't believe in abortion. People are getting sued. People are coming at full force. No, this is the way we want to live. This is what we want to do. And they think you're a religious bigot. And they think you're evil because you're standing against things that God said in his word. God said those things are an abomination to him. And when you stand against those things in your world today, people are attacking you because you're saying, hey, I don't think that that's right according to God's word. Those things are wrong. Hey, you need to stop that. God's mad at that. He didn't like that stuff. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, sin is just running crazy all over the world. And because of it, the love of many will grow cold. What did I mention earlier about love? Drive on the roads around here, people. Drive and walk around the, walk around the stores. People just hate People are just in hate. People just no love anymore. People are unfriendly, hateful people, hateful toward one another. I see it every day in my car, at my jobs. I see it every day. People hate one another. And Jesus said that that hate would come from lawlessness. Sin would abound because guess what? When sin is abounding, people are loving themselves and doing what they want. And if they're loving themselves and sin is abounding, and you're telling them to stop, or you love yourself, if you love yourself, generally if you love yourself, you're conceited, and you don't love others. And he said this would be a sign of the end, and I see this, it's everywhere. And this caused Jesus to say in verse 13, he who endures to the end will be saved. What's he saying? He who keeps the faith in God, he who doesn't fall into doubt and and keeps himself from these sins, from the sins of this world, from the sins of your flesh, he who endures in God and instead of all these things, instead of falling into all these things that I just told you about, the hatred of others, the sin of the world, The lack of faith in God. He who endures in his faith in God and stays faithful to God and stays pure from all the sins of this world, he who endures to the end, that's the one that will be saved. The one who stays away from all the evil in men's hearts that's run rampant throughout the world at this time, he who endures to the end will be saved. Look at the last one, verse 14. The last sign. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. We have not seen this sign yet, although many have been working on fulfilling it it since Jesus Christ resurrected. Now, many think that this sign is one that people have a hand of fulfilling. But I think that God is going to fulfill this sign just before the end. People think, we need the big Christian organizations, big Christian churches. We need to evangelize the world so Jesus can come back. But again, why do I believe I think God's going to do it? Look at Revelation 14, 6 and 7. God says in his word here, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the eternal gospel to preach to those who dwell on earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. Notice the end has come. And the angel has this everlasting gospel in his mouth. So I think God is going to be the one to fulfill this prophecy, but we haven't seen it yet. And mankind has not quite evangelized all the world, yet through TV, radio, via internet, and so on and so forth. So, does this mean that all Christians out there that are trying to evangelize the whole world, that you need to stop? Because, you know, well, since the Bible says that, I don't got to worry anymore. Well, no, that's not right. I think that's wrong. Keep going. Jesus commands all his followers everywhere to keep doing this, to evangelize, to share the gospel, to tell others about him. So if you're doing this, Christians, don't get discouraged because God's going to do it at the end, I believe. Keep doing it because that's what God said to do. That's what Jesus said to do. But I do believe that God will evangelize every person on planet Earth in the closing moments of time and give everyone a chance to come to him like he did, like we read about in Revelation 14. This is, by the way, God's desire. God desires none to perish and all to come to repentance unto salvation in closing is the end of the world coming since we're going to have more parts of this you know, message of the, end of the, the end of the age we're going to have a part 2 next week is the end of the world coming? absolutely the Bible says it will and Jesus gives some, some of the signs right here in Matthew 24 and there are still more signs that he's going to give us as we read on in weeks to come does anybody know when the end will come for sure? absolutely not Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36, we will be studying this in a couple weeks, but on that day, and I don't know, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So no man knows. Any man says they know, they come to you. I got the date that Jesus is coming back. Run away. Don't go near that person. That person is going to be condemned if they don't turn from that. Because the Bible says here, right here, no one knows the day, nor the hour, nor the time, only God the Father. So with all this wisdom that we just came upon, all these signs of the end, and we're going to read some more, as I said, in the weeks to come, what should our response be to Jesus and these signs in Scripture today? What should be our response to the end of the world coming? Well, well, Know first that the end is near and could be any time now. And know that the end will be brutally terrible as God will punish sin and rebellion with a great judgment as he says in his word that he's going to do. And because of this knowledge, if your life right now is not surrendered unto God, if your life is not surrendered unto Jesus, let your response be repentance. Turn to him. Away from the sins of the world. Away from the sins of your flesh. Away from the devil, whom you follow, and turn to God and beg him for mercy and cry out to him and say, God, I'm sorry. I see that I've sinned. Please save me. I don't want to go through this. And you know what? The sin's not worth it. You love me more than I do anyway. Respond that way. But if your life is in his hands and you have repented and you do live for him, then what did he say? Those that endure to the end shall be saved. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep striving to enter the kingdom of God. Keep on the narrow path. Stand with God in faith. Stand against the world and the evils that are in this world. And keep going for God. Don't give up. But know for sure, the end is coming and God will judge this world. So I pray that you will be ready for it when it comes. And of course, don't live for and focus on the things of this world that are passing away day by day. Live your life focused on God and His kingdom. That was last week's message. The end of the world is coming, guys. Let's be ready. Let's stay faithful if we're following. And if you're not right, turn. Turn to Him now. Surrender now. And don't be left behind. And don't stick around for all this evil stuff. God loves you more than you love yourselves. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your wisdom, Lord God. Thank you for these signs of the end of the age. Thank you, Lord God, that you gave us all these things. For Lord, you show me this even just right now, Lord. You only gave us these signs. You only gave us these, these indicators so that we would see them and know, you know, that we're getting close or know or know that we're on the cusp, or know that we're there. And so that if we know that we're getting closer, if we know we're there, Lord, that we shouldn't continue living for ourselves. We shouldn't continue living in evil, Lord, that we need to turn. Because, Lord, the great and your great and terrible day is coming soon. And so, Lord, I pray that those out there that are listening, that are not right, that are not surrendered, they're not putting their trust in you, they're not faithful to you, Lord God, I pray that you would get them there. Bring them to you, Lord. I don't want them to go through the great and terrible day of the Lord. I don't want them to be destroyed. I don't want them to have to go through all the things these judgments that you're going to bring upon the earth, just like you brought the judgments upon Egypt, I pray that you'd help them, show them how good and loving you are, that you do love them more than, you, more than they love themselves. And I pray, dear God, that they would turn, any that are listening, or their families that are listening that are not right with you, and Lord, I do pray for all of us that are yours. I pray that we would truly endure to the end, endure through those evil things, endure through the, and not fall into the sin and the temptation of this world and keep our focus on you. For Lord, truly, the things of this world are passing away day by day. Lord, let us give up what we cannot keep forever to gain the eternal life with you, that you say we can have, that we can never lose. I love you and praise you, dear God. And I ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today, to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because... Your life will soon be passed, and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love him back by the way you live your life. God bless you and have a wonderful day.